No, till after church. And so I'm, I'm doing it. I don't care that he was born in February. We're doing this today. Um, we have Colton and Hannah here with baby Weston James. Stand up. Come on. Oh, my goodness. Woo. So listen, Colton um, was raised in this church. Everybody knows Jim and Carrie. Hannah was raised in this church. We watched them, little lovebirds, and date and get married. And now they have their first baby. And I remember being at a marriage retreat with Carrie Burbridge. And we were sitting there commiserating together because it was the first time we had left our baby. Colton and Anthony for the night so that we could go to this marriage retreat so I'm feeling a little old right now but congratulations you guys got to go and just peek he's in the cutest little western shirt his grandma got him I'm sure right Uh uh-huh yeah and he was born on her birthday too so happy birthday to you grandma all right thanks guys we're glad you're here today um So I know it's been said already, but happy Mother's Day to all you moms out there. My prayer for you today is that you get rest and be blessed. That's about going to be the perfect Mother's Day for all of us, right? I think our plans include going to Olive Garden. Did you remember? I have a gift card. Yeah, okay. Hold on. I said the other day, I don't... (laughs) I should give this to her right now. I put it in front of my Visa card so that when I go to grab it, it's the first... I planned ahead. I didn't tell him I was going to say that, but I said, I don't want to cook. And he says, well, we've got an Olive Garden. (laughs) No, I just would challenge all of you um, to thank your moms today, if you are able, for what they've done for you, why you love them. And I would challenge you to be specific because moms need to know that we appreciate all the little things that they do for us. This morning, we're going to do something a little non-conventional. We're going to bring the word together this morning. Brad and I wanted to do that to talk about legacy through family. We're going to talk about why God so passionately cares about family and what his purpose was in creating it. All right. Well, if you're not going to, uh, to share, I'll, I'll tell everybody about your Mother's Day president, present that you got early yesterday. Um, Levi, can you stand up and look at everybody? So, so Levi, Levi yesterday had state powerlifting championship, and he walked away with the championship, first place, state powerlifting. He broke two state records at the meet as well. So if you need to hire a bodyguard, I can recommend someone. Yeah, it's true. It's true. Uh, well, you know, really, uh, it's Mother's Day, and really the heart of every mom is family. And, and that never goes away. And some of you have raised kids, and they're no longer in the home. That, that heart never goes away because moms are the love of the home. They're the glue of the home, right, men? They're the glue of the home. And... They, they hold us together, and so uh, it's, it's fun to be sharing with you this morning. Yeah, I can say and attest to the fact that nothing is more important to a mama than family. And as a mama who just had her first leave the nest, who has her second turning 18 and graduating, and has her first daughter turning 16 all within about a month, I can tell you that my heart beats for my family, and it's beating fast right now, really, really fast right now, Um, out of love and gratitude that I get to raise these guys. It's just awesome because, you know, when you talk to any mom, they just, they come alive when they're talking about their family. They do, and especially when they're talking about their kids, and nothing is more important to me than uh, mine and Brad's relationship and that our kids are thriving and serving Jesus, and that is just the most important thing. When a mama's family is intact and thriving her heart can be at ease yeah we have such a heart for families 
intact. And as you, if you've noticed, if you look around our culture, you see the family under attack. Have you noticed the family is under attack and there's, uh, whether it's a marriage that's struggling or there's a divorce or maybe it's the morals and the values of family uh, have been eroded in our family. This, the, the family unit as God intended it is under siege in our culture. And I'm sure that you've noticed. But what I was, what we were talking about this week is really there's, there's something bigger at play. There's a bigger agenda at work than just attacking family, than just destroying the traditional family. And that is this, that the deconstruction of the family unit in our society is a direct attack on legacy. It is not just about family. It isn't just about values. It is about legacy. And God creates legacy through family. And our society will tell you, you can just be your own person. You can be self-made. It's all up to you. You leave your mark on the world. But when we look at the kingdom of God, when we look at God's word, what we find is that legacy flows through family. And that might be physical family or spiritual family, but this is how God works in the kingdom of God. He flows through family. It's what God always intended. And so we want to talk to you this morning about legacy through family that God has a legacy for you to leave for your family. Whether you have kids, you don't have kids, you're married, you're not married, there is a spiritual family that you are a part of, and we're going to talk about that as well, legacy through family. So we'll look at a couple different ways that God creates family, and, uh, and we'll, we'll each take one of those. So the first way that we see in Scripture is family by birth. And we see this very, very early in the Bible. In fact, Genesis chapter 1, that's the first book. He says, be fruitful and multiply. Right? This is the first thing. So God created family through birth of, of many. It was never about population. It was always about creating a legacy to the next generation. We find that in, in God's word that this, this family unit, I was thinking about um, Joseph in the Old Testament and how God used him to save his family, even through his difficult circumstances. God used him to save his family from a famine and in result save the nation of Israel. It was his family through birth. If you look at abundant life, this church has taken that seriously. Uh, there's, there's families here that have a whole lot of kids and they are fulfilling the call of God on their life to be fruitful and multiply family through birth. Uh, most remarkably in scripture, we see Abraham and Sarah. And really this is where the promise of God began to come to all people, beginning with the nation of Israel and then actually to you and me. And, and, and we look in uh, Genesis chapter 26, verse four, listen to this promise given to Abraham. It says, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all the nations on the earth will be blessed. All the nations on the earth will be blessed. It's an important promise in Scripture because it's an everlasting promise. In Matthew chapter 1, we see the genealogy of Jesus. And if you look at the genealogy of Jesus in, in chapter 1, and we wonder sometimes why are all those there, if you look at the very first name on that list is Abraham, and the very last is Jesus. And you look at the fulfillment of what God has done through family by birth, through generations and generation and generation. But family by birth isn't the only way that God creates family. We get to the New Testament and we see that God started creating family a new way. And that was family by adoption. 
So Brad talked about family by birth, and I get to talk about family uh, by adoption. And adoption is, as a lot of you know, one of my absolute favorite things to talk about. And I'll admit that when Brad asked me to, to bring this message with him this morning, I reluctantly said yes, because we've got a lot going on right now. And I thought, how am I going to prepare one more thing? But then he told me that I got to talk about adoption, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm down with that. I can do that. Um, <clears throat> This does come with a warning, however, that um, because I'm so passionate about adoption and because of that mama's heart we were just talking about a minute ago, I will probably, well, I will cry. So um, just throwing that out there and you can, I got you, Dylan. I, I get it. Like, I will, <laughs> it's okay. Um, first and foremost, without adoption, the gospel message isn't for everyone. But because of adoption, the gospel message is for everyone. The story of the Bible is the story of adoption. We're all adopted into God's spiritual family. We're chosen as his children. In this way, the Bible directly uses adoption as a picture of what God has done for us. I did not fully understand this until we adopted our kids. Ephesians 1.5 says, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do and it gave him great pleasure. You see, you've been chosen by God and adopted into his family through Jesus because it's what he wanted to do. It was an intentional decision of his will. And you need to know that. And not only did he want to do it, but it says it gave him great pleasure to adopt us. It is God's honor to adopt us as his children when we accept him as our father. Deep inside every human heart, there's just this longing to know that we're wanted, that we're accepted, that we belong. And if you've ever wondered um, in your life, was I wanted? Was I accepted? Do I belong? You need to be assured this morning that you are and were wanted by the Lord. Whether the family you grew up in were a good representation of the heart of God in this area or not, that truth does not change. And so you need to know that this morning. Family by adoption was God's idea, and it always leads to rescuing his people. We have been rescued from the bondage of sin and adopted into God's family. There are so many other examples in the Bible of God's grand plan of adoption, of rescuing his people, and how it led to some of the most important events in history. How about Moses? Here we have uh, Pharaoh who says every Hebrew male baby is to be killed in the river. Um, the midwives weren't going to do it, so it was let's in the river. And then Pharaoh's daughter is is down in the river and she sees this baby. She hears this baby cry. It says her heart had compassion on this baby. And so she took the baby home to raise him as her own. So the heart of a mother saved the nation. Honestly, because if she was a mother or not, that heart of a mother of compassion, when she heard that baby cry, just said to her, I got to take this baby in. And there he was raised right unto the nose of Pharaoh who wanted him and every other male killed. And look what happened there. Freedom for the Israelites. They were rescued because of adoption. Then we have Ruth and Naomi. Ruth took the word in-law and just threw it out the window. And she clung to Naomi so tightly. Remember her words. Your, God will be, your, your people will be my people and your God will be my God. 
Once Naomi realized how serious Ruth was, she clung to her right back, and she vowed to take care of her at all costs, and they became a family, a family through adoption, a family that was orchestrated by God. And the legacy of that family, the line of David through which Jesus himself came through. He came through that line to rescue his people. How about Mordecai and Esther, right? Mordecai was Esther's older cousin. He took her in when her parents died when she was young. He raised her. He was like a father to her. He, he told her the stories of her people. He didn't let her forget. And because of that and because of the way that he accepted that assignment, a nation was saved and once again rescued as a result of the idea of adoption. You get it, right? It's like it's all over in there. And did you see that before? See, I live the adoption world. You live the adoption. We get it. But it's because we've walked through it and then we just see these examples and go, wow, what about Joseph? God came to Joseph through a series of dreams and asked him to be the father of Jesus. I mean, that's a big ask right there. And it came at cost to Joseph for his reputation and all of that. But he accepted the assignment. He said, yes, I will. And he became the father of Jesus on earth. And because of that, Jesus grew up to be the savior of all people. And because of that, it made a way for adoption to become the heart of the gospel. In case you didn't know, the spirit of adoption is huge here at Abundant Life. Brad and I have adopted three of the most incredible children in the world, and I can brag about them because it's Mother's Day and I have the microphone. <laughs> and I told all of them, let me talk about you today, and Leanna said, all good things? I said, all good things. <laughs> Each one of their adoption stories is so orchestrated by God through a series of miraculous events, there would be no way to deny that our family was quite literally put together by God himself. God decided that he was going to create our legacy through adoption, and you know what we said? Bring it. Because Anthony, Levi, and Amy are grazelies through and through. But more important than that, they're his, and we just get to be a part of that plan for their life. God revealed something new about himself to me through every one of their adoptions. And in a way, they helped me uh, know God better because um, there are three birth moms who you better believe I'm thinking about today of all days, chose to give them life. Through Anthony, God showed me that he sees me and he hears me. He had heard my cry, my heart's cry to be a mama since I was this big. I wanted to be a mama so bad and he gave us Anthony. And that kid brought so much joy and fulfillment into our lives, and it just showed me God sees me and he hears me through Levi. God showed me about sacrificial love, as shown by his mother that day when she handed her son to us. I will never forget that moment. It is seared in my mind. It was such a great display of sacrificial love for her son. If I didn't understand the vastness of the Father's love, that he would sacrifice his son for us before that, I did that day. And through Amy, I should have started the other order. <laughs> it gets more emotional. But through Amy, God showed me the tangible example of redemption and what that looked like. Because he took the brokenness of my heart that had been shattered by the loss of my best friend, Amy, and he said... Let me show you what redemption looks like. 
because I handpicked this baby for you. And every time you look at her and every time you say her name, you're going to be reminded of how much I love you and how my plans are higher than yours. We need Kleenex. We need Kleenex in all the <laughs> Everybody. I'm telling you, I get to live this, this story, and you can too. It is so powerful. And not to be left out, of course, we ended up having our little Leanna Joy, who was the perfect amen to our family's story. <clears throat> the legacy that we pass on through all of them is going to be incredible, and it's not because we're incredible. They'll tell you that. <laughs> it's because it was God's idea, and that's the whole point. On top of that, multiple people on our staff in our church have adopted either uh, the way we did or through foster care. Raise your hand if you're one of those people in this church who have adopted. Yeah, it's, it's everywhere. I know there's even more than that. Our church is a beautiful picture of the heart of God through adoption. We are family here, and if you are a part of us, you are considered family. Psalm 68, 6 says, God sets the lonely in families. And if you came here lonely for family, you have found family in us. Because this church, we do life together. We grieve together. We celebrate together. We go through the good, the bad, and the ugly together as family. So good. The challenge then for us is how do we create that legacy? How do we create a legacy that God has given us? And I believe every single one of us can do that. Like I said, married or single, young or old, if you have no kids or 10, maybe you're in the family of God and you're called to leave a legacy of God. It says in Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, and then verse 29, for you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And now that you belong to Christ, you are the true children of Abraham. You are his heirs, and God's promise to Abraham belongs to you. This is such an important scripture because when you look back at the, it, how God designed this whole thing, and we started with adoption by birth and then uh, family by birth and family by adoption. And so God made this promise to Abraham through birth, but because of Jesus, we are all included in that promise. Now, what was that promise? Through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. So you need to know this morning that God's word says is that you are heirs of that promise that God gave to Abraham, that through you, your children will be blessed. Through you, your grandchildren will be blessed. Through you, the, the kids that you work with, with church, the, the, the youth kids, the servant in, in kids program. And we, we don't, you know, we talk a lot about, we need help in kids program. And that's every church for all time will say that, I'm sure. But here's what you need to know. You get an opportunity to create legacy. That's really what it's about is that we are creating legacy every Sunday morning. And that is, that is the heart because God's promise to Abraham is for us, that it's through us that the nations of the earth will be blessed. That is God's heart for his church. You are part of that promise. God's message to Abraham was both a prophetic promise to Abraham, but it's also a spiritual assignment to you and to me, that we have an assignment to create legacy. We have an assignment that, that we have got to, to take seriously, that God would call us to be a people of legacy, that we aren't called to just live on this earth and say a prayer and go to heaven. We are called to create legacy, every single believer. And we can do that in a couple of different ways. And we'll each talk about one of those ways 
The first is we need to impart the ways of God. It's called discipleship. And, and it's, it's so important in the church that, that, you know, so often we come and we hear and we receive, but God's called us to impart the, the ways of God to others. And we really do that in two, two ways. And the first is teach. That we teach. You might say, oh, I'm not a teacher. Oh, you are. You are a teacher. If you, if you know God, you can teach God. And, and the gospel message is so simple. You can impart to someone else, this is who Jesus is. You can tell them who he is in your life. You know something. You've sat through a Sunday service, and you can at least take a few notes, and you have something you can teach somebody else. That is the assignment. Dietrich Bonhoeffer said, Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. That if we aren't imparting the ways of God to others, then we're just doing what the world is doing, living for ourselves. That we are to get beyond ourselves, to get past ourselves and say, God, who is it that I can invest in? Who is it that I can sow into? I look at the Apostle Paul. He, he was an incredible man of God who started as an enemy of God, who God rescued and God saved. And we read about you know, the messages and we read the letters and half of the New Testament that he penned and we think about his missionary journeys. But what Paul really was, was a disciple maker. That his calling, that his heart was to impart and teach the ways of God to others. His legacy was spiritual sons and daughters. His legacy wasn't that he wrote the book of Philippians. His legacy was that he imparted a legacy to sons and daughters. And one of those was Timothy. We read in Paul's letter to Timothy, we see in the New Testament, in 2 Timothy 2.2, he says to Timothy, You have heard me teach these things that have been confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now, Timothy, teach these truths to other trustworthy people who in turn will be able to pass them on to others. Do you see what Paul's heart is there? Timothy, I taught you. Now, Timothy, you teach someone else. And then when you teach them, they're going to teach someone else. Legacy is always created through discipleship. And I wonder, who are we teaching the ways of God to? And, and maybe some of you, that's, you've got a real easy assignment. And, and I say easy, and you say it's not easy. But it's easy in the sense that you have little people in your home. So you have automatic people in your sphere of influence, who you can teach the ways of God to. And I hope in your homes you're doing that. And maybe you don't have little people in your homes and you get more sleep than the rest of those people that do. And you, you have to look for people. You have to seek people out. You have to say, who is it, God, that you're calling me to invest in? Who are you calling me to teach your ways to? I was thinking, what would happen if every single Christian passed on what we're learning to two or three people? That's it. If every single believer, it would be exponential growth in the church. There would be, there would be revival if every single Christian imparted the ways of God to just two or three people. What if what God has taught you, what if when you come in here on a Sunday morning, what if it's not just for you, but it's to pass on? And so we have got to teach his ways to the next generation, teach his ways. And when I say next generation, that might be physical age, that might be spiritual you may have been walking with the Lord a really long time and you come up and you meet with someone who's, who's new, new to the Lord and they're just learning and you can impart that to them. But it's also really important that when you teach his ways, you also model his ways. Maybe even, I wouldn't say more important, but I will say equally important. Because if you don't model what you teach, your legacy will have no credibility. 
Your legacy will have no credibility whatsoever. If you teach, if you say, this is what God says, this is how we're to live our life, and you don't model it, you lose the credibility of your legacy. I love in Hebrews 13, 7, it says, remember your leaders who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. That is what we're to do, to imitate those who are farther along in our walk. We're to imitate those. And I guarantee you that there is someone who, if you are discipling someone, if you are imparting the ways of God to someone, if you are intentional about creating legacy, that person in your life, they are modeling their life after you in some ways. Children, for example, are the very best parrots, right? I mean, they will say what you say. Some of you are public school teachers. Some of you teach kindergarten, first grade, and kids will come in and they'll say the darndest things that aren't appropriate in a school setting. Where did they learn those things, I wonder? I wonder. They're modeling what they're hearing. And you're, you're modeling. And so we look and we see people and we see the, the rough places and the brokenness in their life. And so often it's, they're modeling what they've seen shown to them by people who they look up to in their life, whether that's a parent, whether that's uh, somebody else, an aunt or an uncle, a leader, a teacher. They're modeling their lives after those ways. And so if we're going to create legacy, we've got to pay attention to what it is that we're modeling. The outcome of your way of life will impact the outcome of their way of life. It's got to be modeled. But perhaps the best way to impart legacy, we've, we teach the ways of God, we model the ways of God. But I would say it's probably the most uh, accessible, requires the least amount of training, and that is to impart the stories of God. Yeah, and imparting the stories of God is a big deal. And I can't emphasize this enough. Part of leaving a legacy is following God's instruction of passing on the great works of God to the next generation. Both those answered prayers where you can see the evident hand of God in your family and teaching them of the great works that God did through his word. <clears throat> if we don't tell them, we risk the next generation being ignorant to the power and the love of the God we serve. Psalm 78, 4 through 7 says, We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they would in turn tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, and they would not forget his deeds but keep his commands. Did you catch that? Then they would put their trust in God. Don't claim, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, and then fail to teach your kids not only who God is, but what he has done in your life. Remember in the Old Testament, the Israelites are um, just famous for unfaithfulness. They... <laughs> If it was not put right in front of their noses by whoever the leader was at the time, remember God, remember what he's done, remember how he's done this for us, they would forget and easily just slide into unfaithfulness. And unfaithfulness is going to be the result of not telling the stories. You know, it would be one, one king would come up and say, yep, we're going we're gonna to follow the ways of God. We're going to remember the God we serve and what he did. 
they would get in line. They would put their trust in God. The next king would come up. He forgot all of that. He didn't care. They would fall in line and they would forget the faithfulness of God. And then in turn, they would be unfaithful people. If we fail to help our children and their children understand the importance of the stories and what God has done, then we don't teach them complete dependency on God. And we don't give them the opportunity to see him as holy. And that's going to lead to unfaithfulness. It's hard enough to remain faithful in today's world, even when we are reminded of what God has done and what he's doing. It's still hard to be faithful sometimes. But if we were to stop telling the stories, if we were to stop giving God all the glory for what he's done, how hard would it be to be faithful then? It would be hard. You know, people all over the world, they know about God, or they think they do. They know of God. He is maybe this big mystery to them, but they know he's out there somewhere, maybe that he created the world. But what if they knew how much he loved them? What if somebody told them the stories of what he had done for them? What if they knew that his faithful hand had been orchestrating the events of their lives from the moment they were conceived? Do you think that would result in a more faithful people if they knew that? You better believe my kids are fully aware of the miracles God has done in our family. You, they know that God alone is the reason each one of them is in our family. They know all about the intricate details of the things that had to come together for each one of them to be placed into our arms. They know that both their Papa Chuck and their Grandma Pam are walking, talking miracles of Jesus. They know that Levi is still here after that horrific car accident only because of the grace and miraculous power of God. There is no other explanation. And if we were to talk about those things like they were just some lucky coincidences or they simply happened because of good medical intervention, then shame on us. We're not doing our job. When we read in Joshua chapter 4 about the Israelites after God had just made a way for them to cross the river and provided miraculously for them, he asked them to take up stones out of the river and place them on the ground near their camp. And it says in verse 6, these are to serve as a sign among you in the future when your children ask you, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. Notice he doesn't say, tell them they're there because God saved us this one time. He says, be specific. He, he talked about the way and what God had done in the river. Our kids deserve to hear the details. They need to know the details. They deserve more than, yeah, you almost died when you were born, but you know, you made it. They need to hear, do you know that the Holy Spirit woke your grandma up out of a dead sleep and told her to say something's wrong with the baby? Do you know that I was holding you and I didn't even know there was something wrong with you, but when I held you out, you were limp and blue. And all of a sudden, an entire medical team of people jumped in, including your adopted auntie to try and save your life. And I laid in that bed and I watched your dad worm his way through those people and get one hand up in there and in that bassinet and put it on your head and say, no more. Because there had been an assignment from the enemy on your life since I was pregnant with you. And that day your dad was done. And do you know that both your grandmas stood outside that hospital room door and they prayed loud in tongues with no shame 
And everybody there then knew our affiliation with Jesus. And all of a sudden, you began to breathe. You live because God saved you, Leanna Joy. And don't you forget it. We have got to tell them the stories. It's our job. It's our job. It is so important. It's more important than teaching them to get good grades. It's more important than um, getting them to sports practices on time. It's more important than teaching them good work ethic because all those things are great things and they are important, but you know what they're gonna result in? Good people. And we are not about making good people. We are about creating a legacy. Amen. Oh, man. This is how legacy is created. And, and it, it requires work. It requires work, not just that one month that I worked on it or that one year that I worked on it. It's something that is for the long haul. And, and you can create legacy in the lives of of others is consistency. And maybe, maybe in your life, you're, you, you, maybe God's spoken you to mentor someone. Maybe it's your children or maybe it's someone else and, and it's hard to be consistent. I know consistency, consistency is a challenge for everyone. I, I know in our lives, I would just say model, find something that is so important to you about God and, and teach your children Teach those who are in your sphere of influence that thing and model that for them year after year after year. I know in my life and in Bethany's life, one of those things that was modeled for us was being a part of a church was a normal part of life. I don't remember a single time in my entire life that I asked my parents, are we going to church today? Never. She didn't either. Our kids have never asked us ever before I was a pastor. They never asked us, are we going to church today? It was a, it's a way of life and it's a consistency. It's something that we've, we've put into the hearts of our children. Uh, Anthony is in Colorado Springs for the summer and he texted me this morning uh, from the church that he was <laughs> attending. It was first Sunday. He's like, that's a priority. I got a first thing I got to do is find a church. And this is something that has been modeled, and that's part of the legacy, I think, for us that we know this is how we raise our families. This is how we do life together. If that's a question, then I have to ask myself, am I doing something, am I doing it right? Right? Where are my priorities? And so, and there's seasons, I get it. There's different seasons of life, and there's been things like that, but, but we, we make priority. And so when we're imparting the ways of God or we have specific values of God, we got to be consistent in those things. If we want to tell our kids that honesty and in, in telling the truth of God is important, then we ought to be doing that over and over, telling those stories of God and how he's worked and how he's come through miraculously. This is how legacy is created. And so our challenge to you this morning is just take a look at your own life. In your spiritual family, in this home, Abundant Life, how are you creating legacy? In your physical home, how are you creating legacy here and in the kingdom of God? And we want to pray over you this morning. So if you'd stand, we just want to close and dismiss you and, and pray over you. We want we, we believe that Regardless of if you are well-rested or not, whether you're frazzled and you're, you're worn out or you, you, you just want the baby to stop crying for 30 minutes or maybe you just have peace and what, wherever it is. Maybe you are in a place today where you're hurting and, and you don't have a mom that's here anymore or maybe you desire to be a mother and, and you're not. Listen, God 
wants to impart an anointing of being a legacy maker on every single person in this room. It's true, and, and I just want to say this, that just because we're up here and we're sharing our story, and it's like just a lot of the good parts of our story, it's not because we're perfect or we've done it all right. You know, we've, we've missed it, and we've had seasons where we forgot to really do these things. But this is a good reminder for us, and it's a good reminder for you guys. And I just want you to leave today thinking in your mind, do you have any stones of remembrance of the things that the Lord has done in your life? And when your children ask you about them, because they will, will you be faithful to tell them? That's my challenge for you today. Amen. Well, would you just put your, I, w- I want you to just receive something from the Lord. So you just put your hands out in front of you like you're going to receive something. Lord, we come to you, Lord God. And I pray right now over every single person here in this room and everyone that's watching online, Lord God, I pray that you would impart in every single heart that anointing of being a legacy maker that regardless of age regardless of how young or how old lord god that you would you would compel us to create legacy through family through physical family through spiritual family lord god i pray that there would be something that would be burning within each one of us lord god to not just live for you for ourselves Lord God, but that we would pass on your ways to others. Lord God, that we would, we would see revival even in our own homes, Lord God. It doesn't have to, to be loud, but Lord God, there's a consistency and there is a, there is a heart for God that you will plant within each one of those that we are teaching and imparting your ways to. And so, Lord God, we, we receive your challenge this morning, Lord God, to go create legacy. Lord, I pray that you would give us creative ways to do that. I pray that you would even show us. Lord God, show us right now even someone that you're calling us to, Lord. Maybe there's someone that, that, that we just we've, we know, Lord God, we're supposed to speak into their life, but we just haven't done it. There hasn't been time, Lord God. I pray that you would put a spark within each one of us to go and to create that legacy for the Lord that we would go and create a legacy of your kingdom, Lord God, that, that when we are, are grown and, and old and gone, Lord God, that it wasn't just a blip in time, but that there is a legacy for the kingdom of God that has been left generation after generation after generation. And Lord, I pray that you would place that weight even in our hearts right now, Lord God, that you have placed something within every single one of us that is for generations to come, that you have placed 